When that April with his shorter sutta, mused Dittany Henbit, spelling out the words in her mind as was her habit, and no doubt getting at least one of them wrong as at least a dozen Aprils had passed since her eighth grade teacher had made her do that paper on Chaucer. The chief thrust of her argument, as she recalled, was that Chaucer wrote better than he spelled. Miss McWilliams had sniffily penned, Too bad you don't, under the undistinguished mark she'd awarded Dittany's effort. There was no telling what Miss McWilliams would have had to say about Arethusa Monk, whose latest effusion Dittany ought to have been at home in the shabbiest house on Applewood Avenue, typing a final draft of at this precise point in time. Arethusa, who wrote strangely popular paperback novels of the Odds Bodkin Sir Percy school, was the best and the worst of clients, depending on whether it was work time or pay time. Ten minutes ago, realizing that at least a hundred pages of egads and forsooths stood between her and any hope of a check, Dittany had shoved back her chair and headed for the great outdoors. A person could stand only so much. One more impeccable Mechlin lace frill falling negligently over one more strong, shapely hand, taking one more pinch of snuff from one more chaste silver snuff box with one more exquisitely limbed ivory miniature of the beauteous but stupid Lady Ermintrude set into the lid, and Dittany would have been driven to odd Sir Percy's bodkins once and for all. That was why she was sloshing through the slush and mud with a storm coat buttoned up to her ears, a wool cap on her head, and a quiver of arrows slung over her shoulder. Very few people in Lobelia Falls went walking without their bows and arrows, not because of hostile tribes, but on account of Minerva Oak's grandmother. Winona Pitcher, as she then was, had been the first young woman from Lobelia Falls ever to attend a female academy of higher learning. During that era of ruffled corset covers and lawn sports for the gentry, archery had been all the vogue at the academy, as tending to develop the feminine contours while keeping the ankles discreetly covered. When she returned to marry Mr. Oakes and lead the smart young social set in her hometown, Winona had brought her enthusiasm with her, and here it had taken root. Roving, or strolling through the byways of which southern Ontario then had so many more than highways, and shooting at random targets was more fun than plugging away at standing archery butts, so Winona suggested forming a Lady Rovers Club. Since everybody who cared to join was already a member of the Grub and Stake Garden Club, it was simpler to make a slight change in the existing bylaws and name. Husbands and sons snickered at the Grub and Stake Gardening and Roving Club, but soon realized what they were missing and formed the Male Archers Target and Game Shooting Association. Before long, girl guides and boy scouts were holding archery drill at every meeting. By now, the sight of a tot barely out of diapers, zipping an arrow bang into the gold, was by no means uncommon in Lobelia Falls. Today, Dittany had no special intention of shooting— She'd simply picked up her bow and quiver as naturally as she'd put on her boots and mittens. That was the main advantage of being owner, manager, and sole employee of the Henbit Secretarial Service. One not only made a living of sorts, one could also get outdoors and draw a bow at a venture when one was, as Chaucer might have put it, Sir Percy dipped to ye eyeballs. 
Although, come to think of it, Chaucer would likely have said so in a more forthrightly Chaucerian manner. Dittany couldn't imagine what had started her on Chaucer all of a sudden, unless she was subliminally comparing Cat Alley, down which she was walking, to the sort of road over which old Joffrey's pilgrims would have slogged their loquacious way. Perhaps Cat Alley might look less like the wrong end of nowhere had this been in fact April, instead of the last week in March, but Dittany was inclined to think not. She knew the laggards who were supposed to take care of the lane, and a scurvier bunch of knaves even Arethusa Monk would be hard put to invent. Those monsters of depravity on the so-called highway department were no doubt too busy shoveling blacktop into the potholes on Rover's Row, where several town officials lived, to have any time or budget left for grading and oiling, much less paving, the route to her own favorite prowling ground. Thus brooded Dittany Henbit on this lousy morning, or afternoon, as the case might be.